Welcome to House of Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this past Sunday. For more information about other messages or events at House of Hope, visit www.ihope.today. It, 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 it 
kind of justify, not justifies it, it, uh, what's the word? It, it's, uh, Pick a word that fits. It, it encapsulates who Jesus is and who he was at the time. And Luke, the writer of Acts, was um, was present during a lot of his time, a lot of the stories. He was present in Jesus' life. So he knew who Jesus was. He knew that actually everything that Jesus did was actually pointing to the Father. He knew that Jesus walked around and he did these things. And so when he just basically gives one verse in Acts 10, it was, this is who Jesus was. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So Jesus was the one that was leading people to the Father. Hundreds of years of, of tyranny and, and oppression and of old covenant and religion, people forgot who the Father was. They were living their lives in religion. They were living their lives in rules and regulations, and here comes Jesus, and he's like, hey guys, this is who my father is, boom, and he went around doing good and healing all who, who came to him. We have set up a, a, a culture within House of Hope of miracles and supernatural, correct? It's something that we have strived to do, strived is the wrong word, but we have worked to be hard to pr produce a culture that when we hear the word cancer, we don't go, oh, that's too bad. I hope you're going to be okay. Or, oh, this is awesome because this is, I'm so glad that you have cancer because God can heal it. Not so glad that God, that you have cancer. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like, we look at these opportunities, we look at these, these, these situations, and we don't go, oh, that's too bad. We look at them as like, yay, God can heal this. We look at them as in faith. Now, the flip side of that, is that we often get, I'm not saying us as House of Hope, but the culture, the supernatural culture, a charismatic culture, um, oftentimes gets criticized because, oh, you people are all just about supernatural, you don't care about the poor. We don't care about this. We don't care about that. It's just always miracles and supernatural, miracles and supernatural. And I was like, I was thinking about that, and it might be true, because we look at the life of Jesus, and before Jesus did any sort of miracle, before he did any sort of supernatural, he did good. He did works. He did good works. He did good deeds. He did things that were good. And yes, we want have a culture of the supernatural where it's welcome, where where it becomes normal, becomes um, expected. We have to actually look at the other side of the coin, and that's of doing good works. Now, often in my Christian life, I've had people say, a, re a relationship with Jesus isn't works-oriented. Have to differentiate between two different things. Salvation is not through works. 
through works for our salvation. For salvation has already been taken care of. Jesus came, you believe, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you be saved. Now, you don't have to do something to make sure that you're really in. But God has actually created us as people to work. And work is actually part of the kingdom. And I'm going to show Being a part, what's that? Do you want to preach my message? Do you want to preach my message? <laughs> so Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Right? Which God, now think of this, which God has prepared beforehand so that we would walk with him. Walk in them, sorry, not with them, but he wants us to walk with him, but he would walk. Let me read that again. For we are his workmanship. Now, the word the word workmanship in the Greek is poema, which means poem. So it's it's like we can translate that and say, for we are God's poem. He, he has created us as a poem. He's actually written our story in, in, in this poetry. We look at look at your neighbor and just say, Yeah, so Judy, Judy, you probably shouldn't have said that to Randy. Just saying. He was looking longly into the back of your head, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we are God's poem. We are God's poem created for good works in Christ Jesus. Created for good works. So what does this mean, created? Um, God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. That we were actually, we've been predestined to do good works before we were created. So God had a plan for what he wanted us to do before we were created. <coughs> Jesus, man, that's going to be an awful lot of preaching. He, if, if he has given us work to do, then out of, what's that say? <laughs> That's right. Is it reading his Bible? Is that what it was? Oh. You know, you could send it for a large print, Kent. Uh, just. <laughs> so we were predestined to do good works before we were created. So he prepared you. Sorry, he prepared the work and he created you. Let's, let's look at Genesis 4 3. Right at the beginning. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord full of, um, of the fruit of the ground. Abel, his part, Abel on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. 
and its desire for you is for you, but you must master it. Now, oftentimes we'll read through that and we'll just go, oh, well, that's just the story of a husband and a divorce and the first murder and blah, blah, blah. But I want to look at a couple of words here. In verse 7, it says, if you do well. Now, do well is in the Hebrew, I forgot to get the word, but I did look it up this morning. In the Hebrew, the, the, what the translation is for do well is actually good works. And there's other translations, there's other meanings for that Hebrew word, but in, in, that, in that thought is, is good works. So you can say, if you do good works, will not your countenance be lifted up? So it's almost like the Lord was saying to, to Cain, um, you didn't really work very hard for this. How many of us have been in situations that when we're doing a job and you're getting right into it, and like later, I, I feel this way when I'm doing some gardening and I'm cleaning up the yard and stuff like that, I'll, I'll come in and I'm like, man, I feel good. Like I, I got something accomplished. Um, how many can relate to that? Like where you, like you just, I just, you just feel good by accomplishing something and it was like you put your whole heart into it. Well, what happens is your countenance changes. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, and you come alive. And that's the, the feeling that the Lord was actually showing to Cain. It's like, if you do good, if you actually do good works, your countenance will change and sin is not going to be an issue. So if you do good works, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do good works, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must master it. How many of us can actually enter into a, a level of depression when we're actually not being answered? And that's one of the, the earmarks that I really feel um, in our society society today, and I'm not pointing at generations or kids or anything, this is just it's a societal thing that seems to be happening. It's like, well, what's going on? In the Christian realm, a lot of the, the comments are, well, I'm just entering a season of rest. And that's just, I, I, I thought, oh, that's, that's very spiritual. That's very cool. Okay, that's great. And then I realized that's not scriptural. Because as Christians, as, as new believers, people in the new covenant, we actually have to live out of rest. It's not a one day or a season. It's we live in rest. That's what Jesus has granted us. Take my yoke. It's light. But he didn't say or stop working. And, and I'm entering a season of rest. Well, how are you going to do that? How are you going to pay your bills? How are you going to? And it's and it's used to the younger people who have had a sense of of actually what work is. So, but I'm not getting into that. But it's a societal, societal picture of, well, we've got to take care of ourselves and we have to rest. I agree with that. But if you're not working, I think not working actually leads to more depression because you're, you're, you're just, yeah, right? I know the times even in, as a pastor, the times that there's, there's weeks that go on that sometimes I don't have contact with people. I don't, there's, there's no church crises. And, and, and I thought, well, I'm just going to take this week and just, I have my the stuff that I do, but I'm just going to relax. And at the end of the week, I find myself more tired. I find myself just kind of howling and being like, what is your problem? They're like, I don't know. But it's because I haven't actually, I haven't poured out. And there's this sense of the, the good works, the pouring out, the constant pouring out. Like it's 
follow what the students in our, in our class have us to do. Does that make sense? So what does that tell you? What, is our, what does that look like? That's basically our outlook on life. The more that we do, and again, I'm not talking about burning yourself out and do, 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 and missing the point. That's not the point. The point is, God has created us all to do good works. And then there's something ahead of us. So I think, I think that's a problem with part of our socialist society, is that we have this welfare society, and I'm not against welfare. Okay, I'm not, if anybody's views on welfare, this is not a slam at you, honestly. But what we've done in our welfare society is that we funded poverty instead of providing ways out of poverty. And so what we've done is we've said, here, take your $200, but in that $200, you can't work, or whatever it is, I don't even know how much it is. <coughs> you can't work. Because if you work, you're not going to get this money. And so it's like, oh, okay. And so there's depression, there's, there's whatever. It's just, you see what I mean? And it's like, it, I have no problem with being a way to provide, but at the same time, if people are given the opportunity to work and to provide for their families in seasons and in times, then let them do that. Give them a hand up, provide a little bit of whatever they need, but let them work. So we simply give money out of hope people will succeed, but we don't equip them to change their countenance, to change their outlook on life. We lock them in. And I, I remember as a younger parent, they would get the ta- child tax credit, whatever it's called. And we needed that. Like we, 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 we were low income, you know, when we were first married. And um, I remember, you know, I think the most we ever got from the government for our three kids for that little piece was probably about $1,200. That's a, that's a significant chunk of change. And I remember when Andrew turned 18, I'm like, how are we going to live? How are we going to live without that $300 or $400 a month? Like, you know, what are we going to do? Well, the situation changed. We found ways. We worked. We did differently. Right? And now this, this is, like, we're down to Maddie is 17, and, and she's 17, so it's like, turns 18 on the 29th. So this month is our last child tax credit. And honestly, at this point, we don't even notice that there's an event. It's just like, oh. And it's not even a sad thing that we're losing it because it's like God has provided for good work. And it changed the way we look at things. We don't want to take away people's ability to do good works. And that's why I think sometimes in the church, um, we, we, we stay away from the concept of doing works because we've been told it's not about works or that we don't have a work-based work-based faith. We, we don't. That's salvation. Two separate things. I've said this at the beginning. I'm going to get this out again. It's not about working for your salvation. Feeding the poor has nothing to do with your salvation. Feeding the poor has everything to do with fulfilling God's heart. Or doing whatever he's called you to do. I'm just pulling that out. Second Timothy 3. Let's look at that. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, 
for reproof for correction for training in righteousness so that the man or woman of god may be adequate equipped for every good work so paul or sorry timothy is Glory and that 
Should, is she going to bring that plan to those people? No. I know her. She's just doing it because she's ready for good works. She knows. In the next chapter, Jesus, <laughs> Matthew 6, 1, says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. So when you give to the poor, do not sound like a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be honored by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. I don't know if anybody had thought of that already, but Jesus said, don't let your works be known. Point is, is motive. Motive makes the difference. Motive matters. If we decide in our hearts, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do it quietly, and I'm just going to serve, I'm going to do good works, whatever it is. Jesus says, it's going to open up for you the kingdom. But if you actually do this and call a press conference and, and, and say that, you know, I'm going to give $10,000 to this turkey draw and blah, 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 and I'm calling it's like, that's great. Thank you for your $10,000. Jesus said, that's awesome. That's a reward. So there's this balance. What is our, what is our motive in, in doing good works? And what do we do? What, what do we do with good works? And I remember <clears throat> um, years ago, we had the Vineyard Church. Um, the pastor, Alex, he was very, his, his heart was very, very much for the poor. And he wanted to see the poor saved. And so he came up with the idea of doing these two houses. And, and um, back in the day, the, the two-year house was still standing. And there was an old hospital on the corner of Church Street. And so some of you who are not lived here long enough, you remember the old hospital. And it was it was old, broke, rundown, um, slumlord, just the whole thing. People, you know, people would live there, and it was just nasty. But Alex would go in every week, and he would knock on doors and say, "I just, uh, I just wanted to say, hey, um, here's what I want." And he would call for for volunteers at the church, and people would come in, and every just know what I'm supposed to do. I said, yeah, but wouldn't it be more effective if we actually had them come to us and we could sit on a big meal? And he goes, probably, but I'm just doing what God's called me to do. I'm like, yeah, but what about you? It's not good. You're doing something. And so I'm like, okay. And so I was working full time and so I wasn't able to help as much, but the times that I was, you know, I'd, I'd say to Alex, I'd say, hey, how was your time today? So it's this him having an idea, but he didn't 
go together, probably, but she was not able to escape it. Her little guy was given that brain. And I remember one instant, we thought, hey, let's, let's blitz the Tudor house with, with parents. Because there's a lot of kids that lived in the Tudor house with their parents. And so we got Easter baskets together and we filled them up with chocolate eggs and, and grass. Well, not grass, not all of it, but you know, And, um, and I remember taking Andrew, and I think Andrew was probably seven or eight, maybe a little bit older. And um, I remember walking up the stairs to the Tudor house, and the hallway was there, and there was this one particular, uh, it was a lady and her daughter, and, um, and she had been receiving lunches, and she had been receiving um, prayer from Alice, and she had come out to Sunday services a few times. And she uh, said to Alice, I'm not a Christian. Alice said, that's okay. Neither was she. And um, so she's like, what? And it doesn't matter. And so we had been, had been building up this, this form. And I thought, I'm going to, I think that I'm going to tag her with this. And Andrew specifically wanted to deliver the basket to his wife. About waiting on his part to see if there was another one. And so I remember walking down, knocking on the door, and I was standing there. And <laughs> and she didn't know this. And I said, Bring the basket to my daughter. Happy Easter. And she says to him, She says, Oh, no, thank you. We don't celebrate Easter. I was like, I, 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 I chose that word. I was just like, I was angry. And Andrew was devastated. And if you know, like, I mean, most of you know Andrew is an adult. He's quiet and he's, you know, he's handled. But he was like that as a child. He was very, he, he was introverted. But when he got an idea, he ran with it. And I tell that story to say, sometimes building his word, you get the door closed in your face. But it doesn't change the fact that the goodness of God is still in your midst. And I had to talk to him. It was a good opportunity for me to talk to my son about, is your mother going to do that now? And I said something to him. No, son, people will still know how to receive. And said that your heart was to give and not seek back. See, motive matters. supernatural, miracle-filled place of God's presence, we have to have the flip side of that to know that what we're doing is true, but we're also doing good works. And I don't know what that looks like. Honestly, I don't know what that looks like as our, as our house. I think at this point, it has to be what you all are doing quietly, just doing good. It may develop into something. It may develop into something more as a house. But if I know one of you carries something that you do that is simply quiet, but you're doing it, and it's opening up doors for the miraculous and supernatural. Because you're doing God's part. And what is God's part? Well, Isaiah 58 
Verse 6 says, is this not the fast which I choose to loosen the bonds of wickedness? Um, prior to that, I, I just want to say that um, the writer said, this is what we've done. We've fasted. We've done this. We've done this. We've done this. And you've done nothing. So God says, is this not the fast that I chose? This is what my heart is, to loose, loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. It is not to divide the dead with the homeless and, and to bring the homeless. Sorry, is it not? <laughs> I'm just changing the word. Okay. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover them and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light will break out like the dawn and your recovery will speedily spring forth. And your righteousness will go before you. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. And you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry and he will say, here I am. If you remove the yoke from your midst, the anointing, sorry, the pointing of the finger and the speaking and speaking wicked, wicked, wickedness. And if you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then your light will rise in the darkness and your gloom will become like the midday. And the Lord will continually guide you and satisfy your desire in scorched places and give strength to your bones. And you will be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Those from among you will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise, you will raise up the ancient foundations and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets. It's like, in my brokenness, if I feed the poor, if I, if I clothe the, you know, if I clothe the naked, if I heal the sick, in, you know, even though that I'm poor, naked, and sick, if I do that to them, what's going to happen is that my outlook on life is going to change. And right in Isaiah, like right in, in the middle of the Old Covenant, God's saying, if you do this, if you do your good work, this is my heart, if you do this, you're going to
So he commissioned a study to be done in major cities, and he found, much to his surprise, was that the economic, the poverty level, all these levels in a city where there was a big megachurch diminished. Because what would happen, what he called the Hollywood effect, everybody came together and they supported the local church and they, and they poured into the megachurch, but the city actually So the goal is, is to get out, right? Come together on a Sunday, come together during the week if you want, just do things, but then actually letting our light shine and serving our city and serving the poor. And we, you know, we had a couple weeks ago, we had a call for people to help out with the Salvation Army, which is the pedal, just like, wow, whatever, you know, but there's, there's need. All throughout the year, there's, there's, there's things to be done. And if you don't have time or are not able to do those, Find those things that you can. It's like what you said. Like she walked into the bank and there was people out there. Well, it's not hard just to talk to them. That was a good work. You know, it was hard. No one said work, so it was going to be easy. They wouldn't have called it work because it was easy. Right? Even though it was a job and I was providing for my family, I was working, I wanted Pembroke to be a place where I could actually get into people's homes and bless them. People that weren't Christian necessarily, but that was kind of my idea. And as I was starting, I would give away carpets, things, things. You know, I remember one time, um, I walked into this house and the job was $700. It was going to cost $700. So I said, you know what? So we, we, we did the estimate, or I did the quote. And I said, seven hundred fifty dollars with tax. And she's like, okay, great. And she had no problem with it because it was a lot of work. Lots of carpet, lots of upholstery, it was an all-day job. And um, so I did it. I went along and I was doing the work. I was doing the carpet. I took a bit of upholstery first. You know, I was like, wow, this is like this is seven hundred fifty dollars. Good day. It was a good day, you know. And in, in the back of my mind. So the end of the day, I took him probably about four or five hours. And then the end of the job comes along. And uh, I looked at the lady, or the lady, the lady looked at me, and she said, no. And I said, oh, let's cut that by half. And she says, why? I said, I don't know why, actually. I just want to bless you. I said, and I didn't, I don't even know if I used the word blessing because I was trying not to be spiritual. I said, I, I just want to, I want you to know that you're important and that you, you have, I think you have something that you need to, like, is $350 or $300 a 
question you're going to get i think you have something that it needs to go to so i just want to release that and she just relaxed she's just like oh you have no idea what just happened and that was it i just left her she's gone so i came home and i found a good job but guess what what and it's actually you know mainly job and i cut it in half because you did what he said, I cut it in half. He said, why would you cut it in half? I said, the Holy Spirit told me to. He says, oh, okay. In another house, and I was cleaning, and I felt the Lord say, there's somebody here who's sick. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. So I was cleaning along, and this girl comes out of the room. She's, she's college age, and she's limping. She's got her leg just um, blacked up. <clears throat> and, and the Lord said, get her volleyball in here, and she's, she's actually a student at the college, but she, and she plays volleyball, and, and she has an injury. I want you to tell her that I'm going to heal her. I was like, <laughs> okay. And so my heart just starts pounding, because it's like, I'm a carpet cleaner, right? I'm cleaning carpets. And I'm like, oh, hey, um, sorry to bother you. Did, did you hurt yourself playing volleyball? She told me. My, it doesn't matter who told me. I just, I'm a Christian. And I just want you to know that it's going to be fine, and the Lord's going to heal you. Is it okay? She's like, okay, baby. And she walked away. No, the Lord didn't say, I want you to heal her. The Lord told me specifically, I want you to tell her that she will be healed. And I did. So these are the situations in my work, in my good work of owning a business and doing the daily, everyday grind. These things opened up, right? And they continue to be a customer. I have no idea if she was healed or not. That wasn't the point. The point was to be obedient and let my light shine by doing good works. Does that make sense? All right, let's stand. Okay, can you smell lunch? I can't smell anything, so that's why I went long. Usually when I can smell lunch, it's like when I, when I, so let's just grab hands together, grab this person's hand, and Father, I just release vision, I, re I release goodness, I release ideas for good works. Father, I validate every person in this room for what they do, whether they are retired, whether they're still working, whether they have new ideas for businesses, those good works, that those works will actually cause a chain reaction within Cranbrook and the surrounding areas and see the light of Jesus come to life. And so, Father, I release that over them in Jesus' name. And I release good new ideas for us to even do as a house that we can actually change the way things are working that would require us to do a little bit, maybe a little bit more. But even in what we have, Father, I pray that you would blow it out in a good way. That you would open the door to your goodness. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to our Sermon of the Week. Our desire is that you will be changed by the love of the Father and the power of his presence. For more information about House of Hope, visit us at www.ihope.today.